Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, talk like you're going to talk. Hello, welcome to the Crummy Marathoners. Peace. Come on, you gotta. This is a sound check. Hello. Is this good? Yeah, that sounds great. Wait, so like this close? Perfect. This close? Yeah. You sound great. Okay. Okay. Hi, I'm Mo Crum. And I'm Harrison Crum. And we're the Crummy Marathoners. This podcast is for beginners by beginners. If you're thinking about running your first marathon or half marathon or are in the process, this is for you. We realized as we were training that many resources out there expect people to know what they're doing when marathon training. Well, think of this as a marathon training guide for dummies. We'll go through many of the questions we have as we make our way through the beginning of our running journey and what we have learned. If we can inspire others to run a marathon, then we consider this a success. On today's episode, we hear from runners from all over about the challenges they've overcome to run and reach their goals. Hello and welcome to episode three of Marathon Training for Beginners by... The Crummy Marathoners. You're probably noticing a different sound. We're changing things up on you guys. We just invested in brand new microphones and a new sound system, all the little technical stuff that goes into it. And we're really excited. Yeah, we're pretty stoked. I I feel legitimate. (laughs) What do you guys think? Does it sound better? Does it sound worse? We're really excited to hear your feedback. I'm pretty sure everyone's going to say it sounds better. Before there was <laughs> echoes and random tapping. I know. All the weird <laughs> sounds. We're sorry, guys. But you know what? You stuck with us. And now yeah. we're official. And it's the effort. It's the thought that counts, That's right. right? Right? That's right. So we have a lot of stuff going on. I wanted to share with everybody something personal. I just hired a running coach. You did. You did. This is exciting because... Harrison is very dedicated to his running journey, and this took it to the next level. Well, here's the deal. Here's what happened. I've been following this guy, and I'm not going to share his name right now because, first of all, I haven't asked his permission. And second of all, I want it to be kind of more of a surprise for later on down the road. But he had actually, his very first marathon was in four hours and 10 minutes, which was my first marathon. Now he's running Olympic time trials. So Harrison here is not trying to run Olympic time trials. I'm still a beginner runner. My goal is and always has been someday to qualify for Boston. And I really want to get there. So I'm still a beginner. I've only been doing this for a year. And I'm really excited to bring some of the tips and tricks that I'm going to learn along the way now that I have an official coach. We're just getting legitimate in all aspects of our life. (laughs) Uh, Debatable. (laughs) So, um, And we also wanted to ask everybody that's listening um, to go ahead and check out our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. It's called Marathon Training for Beginners, uh, full and half. So 
you'll find it. It's growing pretty quickly. There's a lot of members in there, but mo- most importantly, we think that you'll find a lot of value with a lot of like-minded runners that are in the same boat you're in. Mm-hmm. The community is awesome. Yeah. So we look forward to seeing you there. Well, today we are really excited to share with you um, the content that that we've put together. And runners every day go through challenges. And, you know, just even waking up in the morning and putting on your running clothes and your shoes and, and getting out the door is a challenge. And we reached out in our Facebook group and on our Instagram, and we asked, you know, what are some of the challenges that you overcome every day or that you've overcome in the past to be a runner or to train for a marathon? And we had some really awesome responses that we're excited to share. Mm -hmm. So the first one that we're going to share comes from a listener in India. And we were so inspired when we heard this. So I'll read it now. So she said, I belong to a middle-class family living in a village. My father's a farmer. The society where I belong, my neighbors and family members will never take it easy that a girl is running. There's a small space in front of our house where I started running in 2012. I ran early in the morning where everybody was sleeping or after sunset in this 80 to 90 meter space. I would run sometimes 20 plus times or more to make two kilometers and above. Because I was not allowed to go outside of this locality, I counted and remembered each turn because I didn't have any device. I ran with normal shoes that are for everyday use. I ran to be fit, and after a few years, I moved to the city for my university where I could run, but hardly manage my time. My highest distance is only five kilometers. Though I am not a regular runner, I have a dream to run an international marathon. Wow. So inspiring. That that like struck a chord with me. Why is that? I have a very sensitive spot for anything female related in terms of like female empowerment or, you know, equal opportunity for girls. And just to hear how she's overcoming different cultural, I guess, norms. Yeah, for sure. And doing so as a girl, just amazing. Yeah. So we really appreciate you sharing that. And I'm, I'm sure there's other uh, women or, or girls out there who have faced something similar, whether it's uh, as literal as what you've faced or even something that's uh, beneath the surface culturally. Yeah. Yeah. Just thank you so much for sharing that. It was so beautiful. And it really, you know, that's another reason why I just love this community because you hear about how something so simple as running can really transform your life in big major ways Yeah, and just, you know, pave the path for others to follow. So, ah. So cool. This is so cool. By the way, I haven't heard the ones that Harrison's reading. So this is very, it's all emotional in a good way. All right. So our, our next um, story comes from Jesse. So Jesse said that during Christmas 2015, I had a third miscarriage. My husband is a CPA and was going to start busy season the day after New Year's, working insane hours for months. And I knew if I didn't pick up a hobby or something that I was going to go into a deep depression. New Year's Eve, I signed up for my first half marathon and started training the next day. We had a two-year-old little girl at the time, so we bought a treadmill and put it in the house and I would run every single day while she watched a movie. Two months later, I ran the half marathon without stopping. Woo! And that was a huge success for me. Since then, I've ran four other half marathons and a full marathon, and now it's just an addiction. Haha. <laughs> I'm so glad I made that choice back in 2015 to start running instead of just feeling sorry for myself. It wasn't always easy, but it was so worth it. It's my favorite hobby now and keeps me sane with my now three little kids at home. That's awesome, Jesse. We're glad you shared that and self care. It's yeah, self care and it's sure. an appreciation for loving yourself and knowing that. When you love yourself and you take care of yourself, you can better love and take care of other people. For so sure. Jesse's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. So beautiful. And oh, thanks, Jesse. We had a uh, speaking of parents, awesome parents. We had Jason reach out. He said, I run for my son. He was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy, which is a disease that weakens and breaks down the skeletal muscles over time. His early physical development is very important as it will give his muscles a longer lifespan. Seeing his struggles and knowing that I can't do anything about it is the biggest challenge. But his perseverance and mental strength is my motivator to keep me going, to make sure that I'll be there to help him as long, help him along the way, and to make sure I can keep up as I get older. Wow. There you go. 
superstars out there, right? Seriously. Like, I just feel honored to even have anyone respond, let alone share their amazing stories. Seriously. So Jason, thank you for reaching out and, and for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, so cool. All right. Our next is actually from a dear friend of mine, Terry. Oh, this makes me so happy. Hey, I Terry. <laughs> miss you, Terry. All right. So Terry says, after I endured pregnancy, I figured I could probably do anything. So I signed up for my first marathon. Side note, she can do anything. She's amazing. Shortly after I had my daughter, I needed to get a surgery over my tailbone that left a six-inch scar. Every day brought its challenges, but I ran my first marathon when my daughter was 10 months old. Wow. I had the same goal in mind when we decided to have another child until I learned that we were blessed with twins. Then I wasn't sure I would be able to do anything the same again. After all, I only had a double stroller. <laughs> but again, after surviving a twin pregnancy, I felt like there was actually nothing that could stop me. The recovery was longer and more complicated because of a new 10-inch scar around, across my abdomen and a three-finger gap of separation between my abs and three kids. I had to learn a ton about how the core functioned in order to reduce the gap in unconventional ways and be able to run without intense back pain. And I had to become best friends with the treadmill. It was worth it. I ran a half marathon when my twins were five months old with no back pain, a huge victory for any mom. I still plan to run a full marathon as soon as races pick back up in Utah. Oh, and I should add that picking up running after pregnancy is not like picking up where you left off. It's not even starting at ground zero. It's starting at ground negative 100. It's a tough climb that makes you feel like you may never be normal again. But with daily effort, patience, and time, you can actually be better than normal. That was amazing. She, I, she's got three kids, but twins, but I, I know Terry on a personal level, and she just exudes goodness and happiness and positivity and to hear the things that and to know the things that she has gone through and is continually going through and just how amazing she is. I just, I'm honored to know you and to love you, dear friend. So thank you so much for sharing that. It's so fun to see friends that you kind of have gone through high school or college with, and now they're doing their, you know, living their own lives and, and becoming runners in some cases. And it's just so fun to follow their story. Yeah. But thank you to everyone. I feel I don't know. I just feel so motivated to get out and run. Yeah. It's like a collective effort that I want to run for other people. When everybody's overcoming their own individual challenges. Right. Right. And so Tara Marie, she wrote to us and said, I think the biggest challenge to me is the negative mental thinking. Mm. I used to tell myself I wasn't a runner because I wasn't fast or had to run walk during training. Now I have blocked out most of the negative thoughts and have continued my training successfully. So Tara, thank you for sharing that. And I, I think that's a great place to, to kind of end this this segment. But yeah, overcoming adversity physically, mentally, emotionally, all of it. Situationally. Yeah, is that situation. a word? Yeah, that is. But that. no, that was really cool. Thank you, Tara. Thank you, every everyone else who contributed or, you know, even even if you didn't, even if you just thought about the adversity that you're currently overcoming, mm. I just I think it's so powerful to be able to share and connect in this way so that we know that we can all do this. And thanks to everyone who wrote in who was willing to share their story. We weren't just for time's sake. We weren't able to share everyone, but thanks for sharing that. We know it's going to motivate a lot of runners out there. Oh, yeah. And so today we want to play an interview that we did back in July uh, with a, a friend of ours um, that we met through the running community. His name is Alan Blumenschein. And uh, Alan had his own unique set of challenges to overcome. He was addicted to drugs and alcohol for a big portion of his life. And um, he finally decided to get his act together and started running. And for the last eight years, he's been sober and he's even completed an Ironman. Wow. Which, I mean, I just don't even know how to process that. Mm -hmm. So we're going to play the interview here. Uh, thank you, Alan, so much for spending time with us. And uh, we, we know you're all going to enjoy it. So what part of the country are you in? Uh, I am in southern Minnesota. Okay. I think you're the first person on this podcast from Minnesota. Oh, yeah? <laughs> so what, what uh, southern Minnesota? I'm not, that's one of the few states I've never been to. So tell okay. me a little bit about southern Minnesota. 
Um, well, I'm about 100 miles south of Minneapolis, St. Paul. Okay. Uh, I live in a town called Austin, which is uh, home of Hormel Foods Corporation. Okay. Uh, we make spam. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, among other things, we have Skippy and Hormel Chili and a whole bunch of other little companies underneath us. So. Wow. That's interesting. I um I remember studying Hormel Foods. Did I say that right? Yes. Yes. In, in my uh, senior year of college, there was a negotiations class, and they went through kind of this case about uh, a strike. And sure. anyways, it was way back in the day, but I thought that was interesting. That's all. That's the extent of what I know about Hormel Foods, except for uh, spam. So. Right. That's good stuff. And this time of year, it's probably pretty beautiful to get out and, and go for a run, right? Um, it is. It's been it's been hot here, hot and okay. humid. Well, you know, nothing. Uh, I, if I remember correctly, you're in Arizona. Yeah, don't worry. I'm not a I'm not an Arizona heat snob. I I don't like to brag about our heat. I, okay. <laughs> well, some people take uh, it very it'll seriously. Be, it'll be ninety and humid here today. So wow. Okay. Well, that's, that's tough. I mean, anything above 90, even above like 85 can get really hot and then you add humidity in there. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. tough to, uh, get out for a run when it's so hot, but I'm sure you find a way. Uh, I, I do. It's usually, um, early in the morning, actually up until this year, I would at times purposely run, um, during the hottest Interesting. part of the day, just to, you know, acclimate yourself because you never know what's going to happen on race day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we'll kind of uh, jump straight to it then because um, you're an avid runner. Uh, um, so you do marathons and you do triathlons, you do the Ironmans, um, which I think you're also the first person on our, our podcast who is an experienced Ironman racer. Do you say runner, racer? How do they, what do you call an Ironmaner? <laughs> uh, triathlete. Triathlete, okay, but that's like to the extreme, right? That's like if you're a a runner and you run a five k, uh, and you're a marathoner, or you, you know, you're a runner, you run a marathon. It's kind of the same thing, right? Right. It's uh, you know, you do um, uh, in the Ironman. It's a two point four mile swim, which is actually the most challenging part for me. Okay. Um, there's a hundred and twelve mile bike ride. Um, and then when you finish that, you run a marathon. Oh my, <laughs> how long does that typically take? Uh, not Alan, but how does that, that usually take uh, the, the average triathlete? Uh, you know, the average triathlete is, um, God, and I wish I, I wish I remembered, uh, the actual numbers. Uh, you know, the, the people that win the things, the world-class athletes yeah. in, um, 11 hours. Oh, wow. 11 hours. Okay. Um, I, you know, I'm at the 16 hour mark. Um, wow. That's amazing. You have, um, you actually have, uh, 17 hours to complete the course. Okay. So you're, um, you're fighting to yep. hit that cutoff. Yep. And there's cutoffs, there's cutoffs all along the way. So you have, uh, you have a certain amount of time to finish the swim, um, a certain amount of time to finish the bike. Interesting. And then there's a couple of checkpoints along the run where if you don't get to a certain point by a certain time, they pull you off the course, which is what happened to me. The first one I did, um, I hit the uh, 19 mile mark oh. uh, after 1030. Wow. Um, so, so I got and, the 19 mile mark on the run and they pulled me. Man, and you were almost there. And is that primarily for your safety or is that for convenience for the people you know, I who think are? It's, I think it's probably partly for your safety because, you know, it's uh, you know very dark at that point. Um, but they also have to, you know, they have to, it, I mean, it's a huge event. So they've got all sorts of people, you know, volunteers yeah. helping and, you know, they want those people going home right. by a certain time too. And they have to... Yeah, I'm sure their permits only run till a certain time and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Well, that's, I've never announced this on the podcast, but, but, uh, a, a, an Ironman has always been uh, a dream of mine, but, oh, great. um, I, I think the half Ironman is really what I want to focus on because I can't even wrap my head around the full Ironman, <laughs> <laughs> but I see my challenges. I, I love running obviously started this podcast, but 
I, I don't, I'm not a very good swimmer despite living in Arizona and, and there being pools everywhere. I mean, I can swim, but I just, I don't have the technique down, you know, and then, um, bicycling, the cycling part of it to me is the most daunting just because of the equipment and the costs and all that. Correct. Yeah. It, it, it can get spendy. Although I've seen people finish on, you know, bikes that you would never believe it. Uh, really? In fact, we had uh, oh, three, four years ago, um, I saw a guy do it on a fat tire bike. <laughs> and that's, that's allowed? Uh, yeah, apparently. apparently. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Well, see, and, and I, this is my ignorance and all the cyclists out there, if, if any of them are listening, they're going to hate me for saying this, but I would assume the bike ride is like the part where you kind of get to relax, but I could be totally wrong. Cause it's so many miles. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I think you're, I think you're probably right. And I, uh, you know, I think it depends on, you know, if you're a guy like me who your only goal is to finish right, right in the right. time allowed, uh, or if you're competitive, um, in which case, you know, the bike is, uh, where you can make up time. Sure. You know, there are people that are very strong cyclists, but not great swimmers or runners. And yeah. You know, they're out there just pushing it on the bike. Yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting. But yeah, it's. Well, uh, I would encourage you. I would encourage you to follow your dream. I um, I did a couple. I did two half Ironman um, before I did the full. Before okay. I attempted the full. That's probably the way to go, right? Start. Yeah. Start. Yeah, kind of like you know, you'd start you gotta, with a half marathon. It's like anything else, like running. You know, yeah. you you start with a five k or a ten k and 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 work your way up. Sure. So there's, there's plenty of um, there's plenty of sprint triathlons um, where it's you know maybe uh, I don't even remember what it is uh, a half mile swim and uh, a twenty mile bike ride and then a five k. Sure. Okay. You know, just getting your feet wet and. Uh, you know, transitioning, going from a, going from a, a, you know, a long bike ride to where you use a completely different set of, uh, of muscles to, uh, to running. Yeah. Um, takes a while to figure out that transition. Sure. Sure. Well, I, I want to dive into your story. I think, uh, first of all, I invited you on for a very specific reason. And, and that is because, um, I heard your story about your struggle with substance abuse. And um, unfortunately, there have been some cases in my life, people, and I'm, I'm not going to say who for privacy, but people close to me that have really struggled with this as well. And so it, it really hits home. It's something that I feel passionate about. But most importantly, I want to get the message out. I want to help uh, as many people as possible who might struggle with an addiction similar to the ones that you've gone through. Sure. And so I, I want to start with that part of your story because the, I would say the second half of your story is, I don't want to say a happy ending because it's never happy. over. Right. But it, it, right. it truly is. If this were a movie, it would be like a happy, a happy ending of the movie. And so can you tell me how the alcohol kind of started creeping into your life and how did that take over? Sure. Um, you know, I think like, um, like most people, it, it, you know, it, it started very early. I, um, I, for as long as I can remember, I've, I've, uh, I've dealt with anxiety, social anxiety, uh, even as a child. Um, I dealt with, um, depression as a teenager and, you know, back in the, back in the seventies and eighties, um, you know, people didn't really talk about that and there weren't really sure. resources to, to help. And, you know, my parents were, you know, considerably older, uh, even when, when, uh, when I was born. And so, you know, the, the notion of giving some sort of help or medical help or whatever for those issues just wasn't there. So you just kind of had to, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and on and on. One of the ways that I coped with that and as a teenager discovering alcohol and, and I was like, wow, I, after a couple of drinks, I can be, uh, I can be calm in social situations. Um, I can be fun, you know? And, and so that just kind of progressed through high school. And, and that was my, um, that was my coping mechanism. 
Yeah. Um, whether it was anxiety or, or, or depression, um, it always made me feel better. Uh, in, you know, you, you go through school and, and I developed a little bit of a reputation as a, as a big drinker and a fun partier and um, that feeds on itself. Sure. Um, and my mother passed away um, very young. How old were you? Um, I was 24. Okay. Newly married and, and just just had a child. My, my daughter was born three months before she passed away. But at the age of 24, you know, you definitely do not have things figured out. And um, so after my mom passed away, you know, dealing with all of those feelings, um, I, I started drinking more and more uh, to the point where, you know, it was a problem and, and I would isolate myself to drink. Um, and started hiding it, you know, from my wife. And um, so it did, it, it became a problem. I, I, um, we had a friend who you know, recognized it and um, talked with me about it. And, you know, I said, yeah, you're right. You know, it's something I need to deal with. And so I went to treatment, an outpatient treatment um, for the first time uh, when I was 25, 26 years old. Oh, wow. Um, and was able to stay sober for a couple of years. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, that that has kind of been the pattern for, you know, that was the pattern for 25 years, probably. Um, wow. I would get sober and stay sober and things would be great for a couple of years. Um, and then I would get to the point where, you know, I needed some coping mechanism and your brain starts playing tricks on you. And it's like, ah, you know, one drink. Yeah. One drink second hurt, but um, it took me a very long time to, you know, this last time now I've been sober for, um, it'll be eight years in September. Um, it took me a long time to figure out, no, you just, you can't have that one drink. Yeah. So, so you had kind of this pattern for 20, 25 years of you would recognize the problem, you'd get sober and that might last a year or two and then you'd go back into it. And these, these episodes where you'd kind of get back into it, how long did those usually last? Um, you know, again, it was most of the time, um, it would be, you know, like the first time it's like, you know, I can have a beer or two and it'd be cool. And yeah. that'll happen. There's guilt that comes with that, you know, and shame that comes with that. Um, and so you, you don't do it again for a while. Okay. But then, you know, you do it, uh, two, three months later, you do it again. And, and it just kind of builds Yeah. Um, wow. until you get to the point. And, you know, that's where, that's where the depression comes in too. Where it's, um, um, you start drinking again and, and the, the feelings of hopelessness that, uh, you know, uh, I'm a drunk, I'm a loser, uh, you know, it's a vicious cycle. So then you wow. need to medicate again. Yeah. And then at some point, this kind of evolved into, I know you had to have a, a surgery, and so that kind of evolved into opioids. And, and so can you kind of touch on that a little bit? Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had, um, uh, it was actually, it was um, because of a relapse that I ended up hurting myself. I slipped on some ice, landed flat on my back and uh, hurt my back and yeah. it was an ongoing thing realizing that okay yeah i guess i um alcohol screwed me up again type of thing and, and so quit drinking um but then dealing with this back issue um they you know prescribed some painkillers yeah um, and the, that went on for a little while and never got better in fact it got worse so they upped the dosage and on and on and on, could never find uh, really any way to ease the pain. And there was, you know, it was nerve related. I had um, my left leg, there would be, uh, uh, there was no feeling, yeah. no reflex action in my left leg. Um, I would be, you know, walking along and all of a sudden my left leg would just give out. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was... Um, over the course of uh, 16 months or 18 months, 
I went from you know taking a couple of oxycodone to uh, I was taking fourteen to sixteen oxycodone a day. Wow. Um, plus a couple of morphine. Hmm. Um, and the doctors prescribed that many, or or did you have to start getting them kind of on the black market? No, no, I actually never did get them on the black market. Um, wow. And that eventually, um, this was this was just prior to the sort of um, recognition that there was an opioid issue. Yeah, yeah. Out there, and at that point, it was pretty easy to get things prescribed. Yeah. Um, I did get to the point though where the medical community said, okay, this is becoming a problem for you uh, and we need you to go into this certain program. And they were going to essentially wean me off. Yeah. And, you know, I, to this day, I couldn't tell you, there's a, there's a lot of kind of fog around that time for me, if you can imagine. Yeah. Um, so I don't know the exact chronology, but um Along that time, I started um, I started doing, uh, a, a person I worked with recommended that I see a, a Feldenkrais practitioner. Um, a what now? Can you say that again? It, uh, Feldenkrais, it's spelled F-E-L-D-E-N-K-R-A-I-S. Okay, that's a new word for me. <laughs> yeah, it was for me as well. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, I need to see evidence before I, yeah. before I do things. Um, so I was pretty skeptic about it. I, I thought it was maybe just another, you know, somebody wanting to put, you know, needles in me or some, you know, chiropractic or whatever. But anyways, I was a little desperate. So I did indeed um, drive to Red Wing and see uh, a woman who kind of mapped some things out to me and um, gave me a lot of stretches and some work I could do myself. And I, you know, she, she kind of won me over in that she wasn't money motivated. Right. Right. She wasn't pushing me to come see her, you know, time after time after time, you know, do this stuff. And if you see any relief, schedule another appointment. We'll do some hands-on work and we'll move you along type of thing. So um, it did begin to help. And so I, I weaned myself off of the opioids over maybe four or five month period. Wow. Um, which was not pleasant. I can imagine. Not pleasant at all. So, so during that time, were you able to hold uh, a job and yes. live normal life? Yep. Well, I, I don't know about a normal life, but <laughs> I, I, uh, I did stay employed. And, and it was during this time that I um, first entertained the notion of starting to run. Yeah. How, how did that come about? Uh, I had a daughter who, my oldest daughter, Lindsay, um, did a, a couple of races, a couple of 5Ks. Yeah. You know? So I, in my head, it was, uh, God, if I can... If I can finish a 5K, then, you know, I'm healed. <laughs> I got it. So, so that was kind of the, the benchmark that, hey, if I, can, if I can wean myself off of these pills, then I could maybe get to the point where I could run a 5K. And if I can do that, then I'm at a point where this isn't a problem anymore. Is that kind of right. the mindset? Right. Absolutely. But, but if you're in so much back pain, because I know that's a real issue. And a lot of people, unfortunately, it goes the opposite way. They get worse and worse and then they can no longer um, get the, op- the the pills because they're so expensive and they, they actually start to go into stuff a lot more serious. But for you, uh, how did, how did you run if you were in so much pain? It your- was, it, it was that I, I didn't start running until I was getting some pretty good relief. Okay. From the, from the back and leg issues. So if you, if you were to kind of recount this story to someone who was maybe going through similar issues. Um, is that the suggestion you would give is, is get treated for the pain uh, in a natural way rather than resort to the medications? You know, I, I, um, I have a hard time telling somebody to do something like that. We all have our own paths. We all have our own baggage that we take along with us. Sure. 
and there are you know infinite numbers or infinite reasons why people have pain so i don't i don't want to i don't want to tell somebody you know find a natural path or something like that and that's the only way to do this right uh, i'm like i said i live very close to the mayo clinic um, i throughout all of this i got excellent excellent care and so i you know i i think that and and i think that some of that helped you know some of the things i did um through the medical community as far as getting the shots uh in my back uh, it helped and it all kind of got me to to the point where i could um start doing these stretches and and seeing this person so yeah so yeah. how old were you when you started to kind of wean off of this and start running? Um, 48. Okay. It, but before 48, were you a runner at all? Were you ever an athlete in your life? I, I was, uh, I was an athlete in high school. Okay. Um, and I, um, no, I would not say I was an athlete anytime after that. I enjoyed, uh, uh, I enjoyed riding bike. Um, uh, but I was not an athlete. Okay. After college, anyway. So I played some rugby in college. Oh, um, cool. That's about the extent of it. Yeah, yeah. How tall are you? Uh, six one. Six one. Okay. I'm just wondering. I I don't know what the average build is for a rugby player, but oh. I assume you got to be a, on the bigger side. I uh, you know it, it depends on uh, depends on what position you play. Sure. So, um, Interesting. So quite a few guys that played that are smaller than smaller than myself. Yeah. So, okay. So when you started running, your first goal was a 5k and were you still on alcohol or pills at that point or, or had you given it up Um, entirely? I had, um, uh, I was, um, I was off the pills. If my memory serves me correctly, it was pretty close to the time that I had quit taking pills. Um, I was drinking a little bit, but then I had sort of a crisis. I, I one night drank too much and had a, had a, uh, one of those crisis moments where it was, um, and, and you know, uh, everyone around me said, look, it's, you've, you've got to stop doing this. Yeah. Um, or there's going to be consequences that I, you know, I, to this day, I, I don't know how my wife stuck with me through all of that. Yeah. Um, she's been amazing, but that was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't cut and dried. So I, I, I was still drinking when I first started. Um, but then the running definitely helped me stay sober. And why do you think that is? Um, you know, I, I drank a lot just to get out of my head. Okay. Um, to stop the thinking, to stop my brain, and running does the same thing sure. for me. Um, I'm able to, you know, I go out for a run, I'm able to quiet my brain. You know, and there's also, I mean, obviously, you know, when you run, you release certain chemicals. Right. Your feel-good chemicals. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, that that took its place. There were people who told me, uh, well, you know, that's, I, I, I got sober in a, a non-traditional way. Um, after 20 some years of doing, you know, AA and, and that yeah. sort of thing, going to treatment, um, this last time, uh, I did it. I don't want to say on my own, but I didn't go to AA. Um, I did some online, uh, rational recovery and things like that. Yeah. Um, so there were people that were telling me that while well, you're just giving up one addiction for another, the other being running. Yeah. And uh, so, well, uh, you know, that may be, but it's an awful lot healthier. Absolutely. Uh, Was and, there really but, anyone being negative about the running part of your life? Not not so much about the running, but telling me that if I didn't do recovery, um, you know, quote unquote, the right way, oh, I was I never going to stay sober. I got you. And so um, did did you kind of take that addictive personality and and apply it to running and become totally obsessive or was it a slow progression? No, it was, I I think it was a slow progression. Yeah. Okay. 
So, so how did that look? So you did a 5k and then did you just kind of slowly build from there? Yeah, I did a 5k. Um, and I ran that, uh, on my own. Um, and then my daughter and I signed up for a 10k, um, and ran that together. Okay. Um, and I can't remember. I think I did a couple more five Ks. I know I did a couple more five Ks after that in looking to, uh, my next goal was to do a 5K under 30 minutes. Okay. You know, um, so I was able to check that box off. Nice. Um, and then, um, then it was, God, you know, let's, let's see how, you know, what I can do. Let's challenge, let's challenge yourself again. That's, that's kind of been another theme yeah. <laughs> in my life is that I, I get bored if I don't have a challenge. <laughs> I, I can relate. All too well there. I, I feel like I'm the same way and I'm sure a lot of runners are. So you kept kind of upping the challenge. Um, right. I'm assuming you then got to a half marathon, a full marathon. Correct. Yep. Did a half, um, did a full, my first full was the twin cities marathon, which is beautiful. I recommend it to anybody who's oh, cool. listening. Yeah. And then, um, and then I did Chicago, which oh. was fantastic. Yeah. That's, um, that was, sounds amazing. Uh, it, I've, I've it heard was amazing overwhelming 40,000 people. You know, um, <laughs> wow. And, and then so, at that point, my, my daughter had started doing triathlon. And so I went uh, with her and we volunteered at Ironman, Wisconsin. Um, and it was just such an incredible event watching the athletes and, and, and not so much the athletes that are, that are winning it. Yeah. Um, it was the, you know, the 250 pound man or woman who was pulling up the, pulling up the rear, um, just busting their butts to try and make the cutoff time. That was what was most inspiring. Yeah. Did you, did you look at those athletes with, you know, cause you'd already completed a marathon at that point, but, yep. but how did you view them at that event? Because I would assume you're just like, whoa, this is a whole nother level. It is. I, I was totally in awe. Totally in awe of them. Um, the fact that that I barely finished marathon, uh, and here's somebody who did, uh, you know, a bike and swim before that. Yeah. You know, so yeah, totally in awe of them. But then it's also, you know, if they can do it, you know, why can't I? Right, right. That's exactly, and that's that's kind of how I felt when I got into running. But but to your point, you said you barely finished the marathon. And that's how I felt when I finished my marathon. I barely finished. I can't even imagine going further. So how did you get yourself to a point where then you could uh, incorporate the other, uh, I don't know, do you call them sports or the other? Yeah, disciplines. Disciplines. Sports. Did, yeah. So how, did um, that, how do you go from just running to doing the others? I, you know, I, it was just um, um, like you, I, I know how to swim but um not great at it grew up grew up going to a cabin when i was a little kid so swam a lot there yeah um but certainly nothing competitive so i just uh you know did some research online and found a found a free uh sprint triathlon plan gotcha um, that said you know uh, 3 days a week you go to the pool and you start out um you know, doing 200 yards and, you know, next day you get on a bike and do 10 miles and the next day you go out and run two and a half miles. Gotcha. And so again, it's just like, just like when I did the couch to 5k, it's you start small and you build up. But were you, were you also during that time running or had you kind of shifted? Okay. I'm no longer a marathoner. Now I'm a triathlete or were you yeah, doing I, it kind of I, the same time? I, I completely shifted. Okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, you know, the living in Minnesota, the training seasons are not as long as, uh, yeah. as Arizona. So I decided to you know, just completely focus on triathlon. Interesting. Um, and, and where do you find yourself uh, nowadays? Are you more on the running side or the triathlete side? You know, uh, I'm, uh, I'm more on the running side. I don't know that I'll do a triathlon again. Um, just found out yesterday, actually, that uh, Ironman Wisconsin is canceled for this year. Oh wow! Um, I think most of them are, just like all the all the marathons have been canceled. Yeah, 
Um, but anyways, um, I, um, I, I kind of accomplished what I wanted to there. Yeah. And so uh, I'm looking for a new challenge. So um, uh, after, after this winter, um, like, you know, it's been hard for everybody. Yeah. Um, but I had um, last fall, I had a, a couple of surgeries that sidelined me completely for a while. And then the, you know, the seasonal depression kicks in. And um, so it took me a while before I even started running again this spring. Um, gotcha. And now I'm, I'm trying to, uh, trying to build up a little bit, uh, little by little and um, trying to lose some weight again, but I've done it before. So I know that if I just stick with it, I'll do it again. Yeah. And let's dive into that for a second, because when you were at kind of, let's say rock bottom, you're you ballooned up to what would you say about 300 pounds it was pretty close it was about 290 290 and then and you're six one so that that's i mean obviously you're a taller guy but 290s is higher <laughs> higher on the spectrum yeah. of of where we should be but definitely um, where so how what did you get down to when you were at your peak performance um the iron man in uh, 2018, I was at 185. Wow. That's amazing. Um, and then, uh, last year I was at, I, I had gained some weight again. I was about 205, 185. Um, I think was, you know, that is probably a healthy weight, but yeah. I had, I had also lost some muscle. Okay. Um, getting down to that. And it, it was, I think unsustainable. I see. And were you trying to get down to that just so you were faster, you know, lighter means faster or. Yep. Lighter, faster. Plus I had the goal of a hundred pounds. Wow. You know? So met that goal. So the next year then I, I was about 205, 210. Yeah. Um, an Ironman. And, and now over the course of the winter, I'm up to about two and a quarter. Okay. Well, to your point, you've done it before. You can, you can get back to where you want to. Um, and it, and it sounds like based on some communication we've had that you, you've kind of hit a little bit of a, a speed bump because kind of a, a, a fork in the road here. Uh, and so what's, what's your plan now moving forward? Well, uh, I, I wish I had a race to, to look forward to. I'm much, much more disciplined, um, when I've got a, a date out there that I need, uh, I need to be able to finish on that date. Um, but I, you know, I'm just, uh, uh, trying to, trying to be as disciplined as I can. So, yeah. uh, and I'm not right now because I don't have any race, I'm not building towards anything. So, um, three to four days a week, I'll go out and run three miles. Nice. Um, and we, we bike, you know, quite a bit. My wife, uh, also has a road bike and we have some friends in Rochester that we ride with quite a bit. So just, you know, really kind of trying to a little bit more of a maintenance mode right now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's an, it's an important phase for me because I've never stayed in a maintenance mode for a long time. So that's kind of my goal here is let's get through this year. Sure. Without having the goal race to, to add that discipline. Right. Let's get through this year and, um, be ready to start a training regimen as soon as I can sign up for something. Well, no, I, th- I think that's admirable. I mean, um, it, you know, you've looked at your sobriety probably and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of it's been correlated with this obsessive uh, training because you've been able to kind of take your mind off of the the substances and, and then put them into training. But now you're kind of proving to yourself that even without that part of my life, I can still beat this. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly very well put. And so how long have you been sober for? Uh, it will be eight years in September. Congratulations. That's amazing. Does it get daunting to say that? And, and do you ever feel uh, pressure like it's been so long um, to where you almost want to kind of just give it up so you don't have to keep saying that? Or is it the opposite where you're like, I would never touch this stuff because I've don't want to lose all this progress that I've made. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's more the latter. Um, 
I, I don't want to lose this progress, and I, I, I don't want to go back to sure. that lifestyle. We, um, you know, we just spent this last week uh, in northern Wisconsin at um, my sister-in-law's lake home, and everybody there, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, they're not big drinkers, but everybody there will have a couple of beers throughout the day or a couple of drinks or whatever. And there's, you know, there's plenty around. So it'd be really easy for me to sneak a drink. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. There, there were, you know, those fleeting moments where the thought kind of goes through your head. Um, but it's, it's pretty easy for me at this point to say it's not anywhere near worth it. Even when I'm in, even when I'm in my darkest depressions or when the, the anxiety or the panic attacks start. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's fairly easy for me at this point um, to say, no, you don't want to go back. Yeah. Wow. Well, Alan, I, I'm inspired and <laughs> I know a lot of people will be too, whether they're going through something like this or not, um, because we all deal with things in our lives. Right. And none right. of us are perfect. And, y- you know, I just think that, this can be applied to, to all of us. And um, I, I, I also truly believe that training for a marathon or just getting active in general can only help. I, I've seen it time and time again, and, and I've had the pleasure of interviewing people like you and, and people who've had other challenges and running has changed their lives. And, Absolutely. and uh, it's, it's really exciting to hear. And, and I congratulate you on your sobriety on, on everything that you've accomplished, uh, completing a full Ironman or two, <laughs> right? How many did you do? Um, I, well, uh, I completed, I competed in three, finished one. Okay. But uh, the I mean, first still... one I timed out, Wow. finished one. And then the second one that was, uh, there were white caps on the lake and I was so shot by the time I got out of the swim that I only made it through about halfway on the bike before I, uh, had to DNF that day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Alan, if our listeners want to get in touch with you or, or, or want to follow your story a little bit more, how can they do that? Uh, boy, I don't know. I, you know, I, I am, uh, I'm in a number of groups on Facebook, like the slow runners community, which I believe is where you and I, um, first connected. Yeah. Um, but you know, Facebook or, um, messenger, if somebody is, uh, going through some things and they, just need somebody to listen or uh, need a nudge one way or another, they're certainly welcome to contact me. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Alan. And we will catch up with you soon. Keep tabs on us and, and we'll do the same. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Thank you. Follow us on Instagram at crummy marathoners. We'd love to hear your feedback and take any questions you might have. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes come out. And please leave us a five-star review so more people can join this funny journey with us. Our theme song is Change the World by Breck. You can find his music on Spotify. Search his name under B-R-E-K-K.